everyone. My name's Daniela. I'm Jake. And this is It's Real, I Swear. The podcast that travels to different regions covering... Conspiracy theories. Urban legends. Ghosts. Aliens. Cryptids. Food. Fun facts. Our pets. And more. Join us every Thursday on your favorite platform. And follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at It's Real, I Swear. Nothing but memories leave nothing but footprints. Located in the painter desert of northeast Arizona, the petrified forest was established in part to protect a vast deposit of petrified wood dating back to the late Triassic period, roughly 200 million years ago. According to Park Administration, the preservation efforts have been an overwhelming success in the more than 100 years since its establishment in 1906. However, some visitors have still been unable to resist the urge to remove wood from the park. Some of these same visitors eventually returned their ill-gotten souvenirs by mail, accompanied by conscience letters. The content of each letter varies, but writers often include stories of misfortune attributed directly to their stolen, petrified wood. Car troubles, cats with cancer, deaths of family members. For many, their hope is that by returning these rocks, good fortune will return to their lives. Other common themes include expressions of remorse, requests for forgiveness, and warnings to future visitors. From BadLuckHotRocks.com Sometimes our imaginations are captured by the possibility of alternative explanations. Join me as we explore the historical events and public state of mind that influenced the appeal and popularity of the most enduring alternative theories out there. I'm Ryan Nelson, and welcome to Conspiracy Theoryology. This episode, we explore our fascination with the petrified forest located in Arizona. Specifically, we'll discuss the curse that has been associated with this amazing national park and reported by visitors since the 1930s. I say reports, but they're really attempts to lift the curse by returning stolen pieces of petrified wood, often with letters explaining the streak of misfortune and bad luck that's been wrought upon them following their larcenous indiscretions. Now, it may seem like we'll be exploring the history of curses and legends, but that's not actually the most fascinating part of this particular story. See, what is more interesting is the realization that this particular tale of woe befalling the naive and curious sightseer and thrill-seeker takes on mythological proportions of tragedy and warning. 
inspired by some fellow podcasters over at the It's Real I Swear podcast. After the break, we will introduce ourselves to the curse of the petrified forest and find out why it just may be a lesson on par with Greek mythology. Howdy, theoryologists. Have you ever heard of pink pills for pale people? Ever considered trying the delicacy of tilapia-wrapped bear claw? Have you ever been to Kokomo, Indiana? Well, if random trivia is your thing, and you like a little challenge, have I got a podcast for you. Join me and fellow podcasters, Moxie from Your Brain on Facts, Sean, host of Stories of Your and Yours, and Eric from Fan Theory World, as we take each other on to task in a quiz show styled roundtable, offering up truths and lies, challenging ourselves to determine what is truth and what is fiction. In our premier Patreon-exclusive show, Spot the Lie, Patreon members at any level have access to this new show. This, along with other rewards, comes at the cost of less than a cup of coffee each month. And your support, as always, helps to grow conspiracy theoryology. Now, if you're ready to support the show, give Spot the Lie a listen, or just curious about what else Patreon has to offer, go to patreon.com slash conspiracy theoryology to check out my page. Then stick around and search out your other favorite podcasts. Now, back to the show. This episode is going to rock. All right, I'll let that joke crystallize in your mind. I can I can feel your stone cold stares as the realization hardens in your mind that I just dad joked, and you are now petrified at the thought of what's in store for the rest of the show. Well, don't worry, I won't keep going with the bad puns, no matter really how funny I find them to be. I just needed to make sure we scared off the faint of heart. Now, since you haven't tuned out yet, you're ready to take this journey into a tragic and depressing tale full of ominous warning and permanent regret. Welcome to the mysterious, beautiful, and awe-inspiring Petrified Forest National Park. So before getting into this, I must give credit where credit is due. As I mentioned, this topic was inspired by a fellow Texas podcast, It's Real I Swear. Hosts Daniela and Jake take a journey each episode to a specific location, city, state, area, and introduce weird, fascinating, odd, and unique attractions or events that make the location so iconic. It's actually a regular listen for me, and these two are hilarious. I highly recommend. 
Well, recently they covered Arizona, and Daniela introduced their listeners to the petrified forest and the infamous curse associated with the removal of even the smallest rock samples. I thought it would be a perfect topic to cover on conspiracy theoryology, and I want to thank It's Real I Swear for being great sports and letting me hijack their topic for this episode. So, what is this curse? And for that matter, what is the petrified forest? We covered a quick summary before the intro, but legendsofamerica.com provides an excellent background. So let's go over that for those that may be entirely unfamiliar with the Petrified Forest National Park. More than 200 million years ago, large trees and rich vegetation apparently flourished in northeast Arizona. At that time, the region was basically a tropical wetland with abundant streams and rivers. During heavy rains, the waterways flooded, sweeping the fallen trees into the sandy floodplains below. Later, volcanic activity and lava destroyed the forest, and the remains were embedded into sediment comprised of volcanic ash, mud, and water. Trees are basically then transitioned to stone by the process of permineralization, which is a process of fossilization in which the organic materials are replaced with minerals, such as quartz, making a cast of the original organism. Millions of years later, the petrified logs were revealed by erosion. So the petrified forest area was actually designated a national monument on December 8th of 1906. The painted desert was added later, and finally in 1962, the whole monument received national park status. Today, the park covers over 90,000 acres, and it's amazing. Early on, though, westward travelers, they began moving through the area in the mid-1800s, carrying off pieces as keepsakes or even wagon loads of the stuff to be sold later. But since the forest became a national monument, it's been illegal to remove any specimens of petrified wood, and it can result in a fine. Since then, any efforts at removing samples are done furtively and discreetly to avoid detection. This seems to be the obvious catalyst for the curse. The curse, as we know it today anyway, did not begin in 1906, though. Perhaps it's more correct to say that sufferers didn't immediately make their misfortune and guilty conscience known until the 1930s. In the Rainbow Forest Museum is a display called Mystery of the Conscience Wood. A large piece of petrified wood sits on a bench. It was returned by a man who said he had stolen it 66 years ago. A three-ring binder, until recently, sits beneath the display, containing letters from all over the world, comprising some 1,200 pages of guilt-ridden letters. The oldest conscience letter dates back to 1935. These pilfered samples are returned by mail and include notes of confession, apology for having taken the stone, 
and often descriptions of trouble that followed. This can be as tame as a guilty conscience for having done such a nefarious deed, or, more dramatically, misfortunes wrought. These troubles include jail time, medical conditions, car troubles, unemployment, and even death. Whatever the malady, these reformed rock poachers offer pleas to park officials to return the pieces to their rightful place in hopes of lifting the curse. The Park Museum created the display in hopes of dissuading future would-be thieves, and perhaps out of the odd fascination with the phenomenon. While the Conscience Wood display is now as much a part of the history of the park as the petrified forest itself, the letters are apparently no longer out for display, with the reasoning that perhaps they might actually inspire theft rather than deter it. Regardless, the rich history of the Conscience Letters has been archived in the book Bad Luck Hot Rocks, Conscience Letters and Photographs from the Petrified Forest, which was edited by Ryan Thompson and Phil Orr. So there you have it. The Curse of the Petrified Forest. But that begs the question. What makes a rumored curse which seems to have surfaced as a means of deterring the destruction of a national monument and geologically significant site, become an irresistible cycle of guilt and hope for redemption. Surely it must have been something to do with the power of suggestibility, often attributed to the effectiveness of curses. Or perhaps it's just the need for attention and participation in something bigger. These returned pieces of petrified wood and conscience letters were, after all, displayed for the public to see at a park museum. But is that enough to keep us fascinated with the story? Is that really enough to capture our imaginations? After all, it's not unique. It's actually illegal to take anything from pretty much any national park, national forest, monument, or, or landmark. The reason that these locations are protected within the park system in the first place is that often these locations hold a particular significance, ecologically, geologically, and historically, and of course have research and educational value. Obviously, there is also an economic reason, because if people walked out with samples and souvenirs every time they went, there would soon be little park left to see. And who would pay to access an attraction, or support the use of tax revenue being used to sustain an uninteresting and bland, empty landscape? Think about the Grand Canyon, Yosemite National Park, Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, the Gettysburg Civil War battlegrounds. These are all national sites and all have rules protecting them from defacement, theft, and destruction. They even have hauntings associated with them, if not a curse. They are no less significant and important to national identity and scientific or historical study. Yet, these parks, they don't have nearly a century of mail and returned souvenirs in hopes of redemption and freedom from bad luck and guilt. The Petrified Forest, it stands unique in that regard. And I think I know why. 
It's a lesson that we've been trying to learn for a long time. It's not due to the curse itself, nor to the unique geological significance of the petrified forest. It seems to be because of one last piece of the story I've yet to mention. And it turns these anecdotal tales of bad luck into mythological warnings of regret. Yes, it's, it's true that these samples of petrified wood get returned to the park rangers by remorseful thieves, but the fact is, they never actually return to the park itself, let alone in the original location. Though it's a common plea found within the conscience letters. One says, My life has been totally destroyed since we've been back from vacation. Please put these back so my life can get back to normal. Let me start over again. Another stated, Take these miserable rocks and put them back. They have caused pure havoc in my love life. And still more. I'm not superstitious, but a year later my husband was killed in an airplane crash not far from your facility. Since then, my life has been in turmoil. I just want to get rid of this reminder. Please put it back where it belongs. Now the irony is that these rocks can't go back where they belong. At the southern entrance to the park is a pile of conscience rocks, and it's not the only one. There are piles throughout the perimeter of the park. Unfortunately, once the rocks are moved, they can't be put back in the park because they are out of scientific context. The park is a thriving site for archaeological, geological, and paleontological research. Moving rocks and other artifacts affects the value of the scientific study. The implication, of course, is that there's no way to make up for, to rewrite, or, or undo our actions once they're committed, which, of course, tugs the heartstrings and causes one to reflect on the weight of this realization. But it's more than just a modern parable. This tale is ingrained in our history. This is a lesson we've been teaching ourselves for thousands of years. One of the most well-known is found in ancient Greek mythology, that of Pandora's box. The tale of Pandora was introduced in a set of epic poems in the 7th century B.C., we're going to strip away the more misogynistic aspects of the tale, which establish Pandora as a curse on all mankind, as retribution by Zeus against man for gaining fire from Prometheus. What's important is the core of the story. So let's begin. Pandora was formed out of the earth. She was to be the first of a race of women, and she was granted gifts from all the gods. She was given beauty, guile, grace, desire, compassion, and an insatiable curiosity. Along with these gifts, Zeus gave Pandora a vessel, which we now think of as a box, warning her that it must never be opened. As time passed, Pandora found her thoughts more and more on the vessel, until one day her curiosity, as insatiable as ever, got the best of her. When she removed the lid, horrible things flew out, including greed, envy, hatred, 
pain, disease, hunger, poverty, war, and death. Now, though she tried, she could not push these horrors back into the vessel, and all of life's miseries had permanently been released into the world. When she finally slammed down the lid, the only thing that remained inside the vessel was hope. And ever since, humans have been able to hold on to this hope in order to survive the wickedness that Pandora had released. Today we refer to things best left untouched as Pandora's box, and perhaps more jarringly, to identify things best left alone because once done cannot be undone. A Pandora's box has become a metaphor, referring to a source of endless complications or trouble arising from a single, simple miscalculation. The connection is obvious. Just as Pandora brought upon her troubles through a naive act, so too have the conscience letters convey troubles released through the seemingly innocent act of removing a sample of stone from the petrified forest. More pointedly, just as Pandora found her act irreversible, so too is the act of theft of these petrified samples. The curse of the petrified forest, through a confluence of events, carries the tale of unattainable redemption. Perhaps this may not have occurred had the first conscience letter simply been stored away and left to the record as odd and novel historical trivia. Instead, though, with the creation of the conscience piles and the display of the letters for visitors to explore, the curse of the petrified forest brings to life the mythological exploration of man's existence and our struggle with unavoidable miseries of the world. Heavy? Yes, yes it is. And and we now have a real understanding of why this novel notion of a curse found its way to permeate into the public imagination and create a mythos itself that has lasted for decades. Of course, there is a positive to find here. Just, just as Pandora found that hope remained, so too can the letter senders turn to hope that their attempt at redemption may provide the means of breaking the curse though their ill-gotten souvenirs may never truly be returned to its rightful place. So, should you ever find the opportunity to visit the wonder that is the Petrified Forest National Park, nestled in the painted desert of Arizona, find comfort in the fact that we always have hope to fight against the struggles to curse us. Now that said, it's probably better just leave Pandora's box closed and leave the petrified wood where it lies. Alright, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me today. Please click that follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss the discussion. Now, do you know of any other tales like the curse of the petrified forest that hold an unusual and enduring fascination within our imaginations? Well, tell me about it. You can email me at contact at conspiracytheology.com or find me on the socials at TheoryologyPod. All the info can be found at conspiracytheology.com. 
including how to support the show on Patreon. Music, as always, is by adamhenrygarcia.bandcamp.com. So, until next time, remember, beyond the conspiracy and behind the belief lies the theory of